Elijah or Elisha said, before prophesying, bring me a minstrel. Bring me a minstrel. It's amazing how well the uh, music sets the stage for the preaching of the Word of God. Please join me in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Good to see each one of you here this morning. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your grace and goodness to us. We thank you for the truth in the songs that we sang and how blessed it feels to worship you. And the look, the anticipation of looking forward to worshiping you throughout eternity. But while we're here, Lord, we pray that you'll help us to make our lives count for you and to make a difference in our own life for the glory of Jesus Christ and in the life of other people, the lives of other people. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure that everyone here knows what a bucket list is. A euphemism for dying is kicking the bucket. And so examples, uh, a bucket list is the things we want to do before we die. Things we want to do in this life before it's too late. Examples of bucket list items are swim in every ocean, visit all 50 states, and so on. But how does a person decide what item or items would be on their bucket list? If you knew that you had one year left to live, what would you choose to be on your bucket list to do before you died? If a genie granted you three wishes, what would your wishes be? Interestingly, there is a man immortalized in Scripture who, could, who had what could be called a bucket list item. His name is Simeon, and his bucket list item was to see the Lord Jesus Christ before he died. Simeon's bucket list item is a great example for anyone who might be deciding what he wants his life to count for. So let's briefly notice four things about Simeon's bucket list item. First of all, Simeon's bucket list item was divinely directed. It was divinely directed, and it was revealed to him by God. If you look at Luke chapter 2 and verses 25 and 26. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him that the Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So we could ask, what kind of person does God reveal something to? In Simeon's case, he's described as being righteous, as being devout, waiting expectantly for Israel's Messiah, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So we could take from that cue that A person who's listening to the Lord, who's waiting to hear from the Lord, would have these characteristics. In spite of the low spiritual condition of the nation of Israel, there were still some godly people looking for God to deliver his people, and Simeon was one of those people. I want to share with you an interesting story about loyalty and about how we should be waiting for the Lord. It's called Waiting in Hope. Marvin Williams wrote this for Our Daily Bread. You might be familiar with it. 
In the movie Hatchie, A Dog's Tale, a college professor befriended a stray Akita puppy named Hatchie. The dog expressed his loyalty by waiting at the train station each day for the professor to return from work. One day, the professor suffered a fatal stroke. Hatchie waited hours at the train station and for the next 10 years returned each day awaiting his loving master. Luke tells the story of a man named Simeon who patiently waited for the coming of his master. The Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. As a result, Simeon kept waiting for the one who would provide salvation for God's people. When Mary and Joseph entered the temple with Jesus, the Holy Spirit whispered to Simeon that he was the one. The wait was finally over. Simeon held Christ in his arms, the hope, salvation, and comfort of all people. If we find ourselves in a season of waiting, may we hear the words of the prophet Isaiah with fresh ears. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. As we wait, await Jesus' return, he provides the hope and strength we need for each new day. So what do you think the Lord would want to be on your bucket list? If you are righteous, that is in Christ, none of us have righteousness of our own, but we have righteousness in Christ when we receive him as our personal savior. He took our sin debt on the cross. He gives us his righteousness in return. How could anybody refuse a deal like that? If we are devout, if we're waiting for Christ's return and we're influenced by God's spirit, God will direct us to choose the right bucket list item. I think of Cornelius, the Gentile, I believe it's in Acts chapter 10, and Acts is a transitional book where the gospel was first given to the Jewish nation and then eventually extended to Gentiles. Cornelius was a Gentile. He had not entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, But it talks about how he was devout and how he helped people and how he was living a good life and trying to honor God without knowing him. And then God sent Peter to Cornelius to give him the gospel. And I think about people who are trying to live the right way and trying to do the right thing and we admire them. And sometimes it seems like they outshine people who know Jesus Christ. But where the rubber really meets the road is God looked down and he saw Cornelius and he saw that he was trying to live the right way. So he sent Peter with the gospel to him. Now we find out where Cornelius is really at. Is he going to say, no, thanks. I don't need that. I'm already religious. I'm good enough the way I am. Or is he going to bow before the king of all glory and say, I need Jesus Christ in my life. That was what makes the difference in his life. God will speak to people who will listen. So Simon's bucket list was divinely directed. Secondly, Simon's bucket list was spirit-led. It required him to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
Verse 27 says, Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. The custom of the law was that it required the dedication of the firstborn son. The law God gave to Moses required this. It's recorded in Exodus 13, 2 and verses 12 through 15 there. So Joseph and Mary brought the child Jesus to the temple for his dedication. The gospel accounts are being given under the dispensation of the Jewish nation. And Jesus followed the practices of the Jewish nation, but he wasn't afraid to depart from them when they had replaced God's law and the intention of God's law with their own ideas, and they had added to them and taken from them and twisted them around. Jesus wasn't afraid to straighten out what they had made crooked. But Joseph and Mary were following the prescribed law of Moses that God gave to Moses and bringing Jesus to dedicate him in the temple. And at this time, only a small number of people realized the significance of Jesus' birth. Jesus was born in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn, for them in the inn. And the first people that Jesus was, people were drawn to see his birth were lowly shepherds at the absolute bottom of the food chain in that economy. There is nobody too low for God to care about. There's nobody too common for him to care about. In fact, ironically, it is often the common people who understand their need for him. Paul said to the Corinthians, not many wise, not many noble are called. Look around. You don't have a bunch of superstars in your midst. You're common people. It's so difficult to see people who are worldly wise, intelligent, gifted, who can't understand their need for the Savior. I thank God for every reversal in my life up to age 24 and a half that caused me to realize even though I was religious, I was lost. Even though I was religious, I needed a Savior. And a relationship with Jesus Christ replaced religion. Religion couldn't do the job. Relationship can and is doing the job. So Simeon was directed by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple courts at this time. So I wonder, how would your bucket list item require you to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Bible says that the steps of a godly person are ordered by the Lord. And the Lord orchestrated that Simon would come there and be there at this time. So if we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he will lead us to choose and accomplish the right bucket list item or items. And we have to ask ourselves the question at this juncture. Do I want God to lead me? Will I follow him if he does? If he lays on my heart a bucket list item that was, would not have been my choice, will I put that there? Will I say, I want to do this before I die? I want this to be the purpose of my life. Sometimes people have the attitude, I want to know God's will. I'm going to pray for God's will, and when he reveals it to me, I'll decide whether I'm going to do it or not. He probably won't reveal it to you. 
it'll probably be, Lord, if you reveal your will to me, I'll do it by your grace, no matter what it is. That's the kind of person who will be led of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, Simon's bucket list item was eternally significant. It was more than just a novelty. It was the most significant event in Simeon's life. Look at verses 28 through 32 now. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon referred to God as sovereign because when God promises something, he will fulfill it. Remember that the Lord laid it on Simeon's heart and and let him know that he was going to see God's Messiah before he died. That was initiated by God. And Simeon said, "That's that's what I'm counting on to happen. That's my bucket list item. I want to see the Lord before I die. You know, there's a certain blessing about holding a newborn baby in your arms, isn't there? I mean, the world can be so messed up, and it is, and things could be so bad, and they are, and it can seem like there's no hope, and you can think, why would you want to bring a child into a world like this? But when you hold that baby in your arms, it's like, there's hope, there's hope. I wonder what this child's life is going to be like. To hold a baby in your arms is, there's something about that. And there was a sense of destiny, a sense of release, and a sense of fulfillment in Simeon's life when he held Jesus Christ. Imagine, he had in his arms the Lord of glory, the one we will worship throughout eternity, the one who redeemed us from being lost and dead to being found and alive in Jesus Christ and and back to a relationship with God. In Revelation, God is worshipped as creator and as redeemer. When we look at creation, we should see God. Romans chapter 1 says it's pretty obvious that we should see God. And God will hold it against people who try to uh, distort and restrict his revelation of his creation. Many people in the scientific world have replaced creation with evolution. So if it's evolution, then man is the greatest thing there ever was. But if it's creation, man is the highest creature God ever created in his own image. And we are to know and love and worship God. But also, Revelation worships Jesus as Redeemer. Because in Adam, we all fell and lost our estate of innocence with God. And Jesus Christ, the second Adam, came to restore that relationship by dying for our sins, ameliorating the anger of God against our sins, a wholly offended God against our sins, who has a constant, deliberate posture against sin, And it will never enter into his presence. And he hasn't changed his mind about it, and he's never going to. Jesus said, Father, I will go, and I will take your wrath 
for the sin of the world on myself. And all who trust Christ place their burden of sin on him and receive redemption, receive forgiveness, receive a relationship with God. What a deal that is. How could anybody say no to this man? How could anybody say no? So the purpose of Simeon's life was now realized. He held the king of glory, the savior for all eternity in his arms as a baby. It's a little harder for me to realize that Jesus Christ was fully man than it is to realize he was fully God. There's no question that he was fully God. But he was a baby and Simeon held him in his arms with all the needs and all the requirements we have as children. Well, there's a man in the Old Testament named Joseph who was a type of Christ, and his father Jacob, whose name was changed by God to Israel, was led to believe that Joseph was dead. His brothers were jealous of Joseph, who was a favored son. His father contributed to that by favoring him and giving him a coat of many colors. Their jealousy drove them to want to kill him. The oldest brother, Reuben, said, let's not kill him, let's just throw him in a pit. Joseph survived. They, they, they threw him in a pit, and then they sold him to a caravan going to Egypt. And uh, the brothers went and told their father, Jacob, whose name was in Israel, they said, uh, here's his coat of many colors with blood on him. We guess animals must have killed him. And so Jacob, Israel, mourned over his favorite son being dead. And then after the brothers went to Egypt to get food because there was a famine, they recognized eventually that Joseph, their brother, was alive and was in Egypt. And they came and told their father, Joseph is alive. And you know what their father Jacob did? He put it on his bucket list to see his son before he died. And it says in Genesis chapter 45 and 28, And Israel said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. That's a bucket list item for me. I'm going to see my son before I die. And then we see that it was fulfilled in the next chapter, chapter 46 of Genesis and verse 30. Israel said to Joseph, now I am ready to die since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. Isn't it amazing the love that God gives parents for their children? If there's something wrong with our children, we beg God to make it right. We take them before the Lord in prayer again and again. We bombard the throne of grace asking for God to make what's right wrong with our children. So how would your bucket list have eternal significance? Jesus Christ is a Savior sent in the sight of all people, Jew and Gentile alike. 
So the question, first question for us is, have you seen Jesus Christ in the spiritual sense? Simeon saw him. That was his bucket list item. He held him in his arms. Jesus was sent for us. Have we received him? When you have peace with God, you have peace with death. Jacob, Israel, said, I've seen my son now. My bucket list item is fulfilled. Check, I'm ready to die. Everyone needs to see Jesus Christ, God's salvation, before they see death. American Express, don't leave home without it. The Lord Jesus Christ, don't leave earth without him. That's a mandatory bucket list item. David Shields is an author, and at one time he either is or was an English professor at the University of Washington. He wrote a book entitled, this is really a funny title. This is the kind of title your English professors always taught you not to use, but he did it because it's a whole sentence. He wrote a book, the title was, The Thing About Life is That One Day You'll Be Dead. And I'm like, okay, uh, at first glance, that title seems so obvious that it's meaningless. But once you think about it, that title, it's profound. The thing about life is, one day you'll be dead. And we should live our lives in light of the fact that one day we'll be dead. So fourthly and finally, Simeon's bucket list item was a lasting legacy. It was a source of inspiration and encouragement to other people. Join me back in Luke chapter 2, verses 33 through 35. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him by Simeon. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to the destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Think about that, what he said there. Destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. People who rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah fell. People who received Jesus Christ as the Messiah rose. And it goes on to say, he will be a sign that will be spoken against. You and I have all talked to people about the Lord and have them, had them speak against that. Speak against the gospel of Christ. Speak against Christianity. We see it going on in our country and in our world right now. But... You know what? It says, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. When people take that position and take that posture, they're showing to God and to the world where their hearts are. Anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Christian. I'll do what I want. I'm not going to have anybody tell me what to do. I won't let the government tell me what to do even though the government is trying to represent God in one of the decisions they're making. I'll do what I want to do. Their heart is being revealed, what's in their heart. A feeling, a, disp a disposition of independence to God. God will not tell me what to do. God will not rule my life. I think the hardest thing about coming to Christ 
is that in order to accept Jesus as your Savior, repent of your sins, turn to Him and trust in Him, is because in doing that, you are relinquishing control of your life. And that's hard to do. That's really hard to do. Thank God, through the mercy and grace of God, many of us have made that decision. So Joseph and Mary were surprised and blessed by what Simeon said about Jesus. And he also prophesied about the impact that Jesus' life was going to make in the nation of Israel and in the heart of Mary. Those who received him as the Messiah were blessed. Those who refused to were cursed. And the heart of Mary was so wounded when her son was hung on the cross. She was one who stood at the cross and grieved the loss of her son. I'm told that there's nothing worse than losing a child. And there's a saying that we're, supposed, we're not supposed to outlive our children. Mary outlived Jesus. And she, it, her heart was pierced by what happened to her son. So how would your bucket list item have a lasting legacy that would inspire and encourage other people. How each of us responds to Jesus Christ reveals the thoughts of our hearts. What will people remember about you? What will be your lasting legacy? What will inspire and encourage other people to be drawn to Jesus Christ? What will people say at your memorial service? I often think about that. And I think, you know, the older you get, the fewer people are going to be at your service because all your contemporaries are already dead, you know. But uh, and if you're blessed with long life, you might have a small memorial service. I did one recently, about 30 people there, you know, and, uh, but it was a blessed service. And I often wonder about that. And I think... Who will bother, who will interrupt their day to come to my memorial service? And what will my life have meant to them? What will I leave behind? What will my lasting legacy be? I was playing golf the other day with this young guy. He was a sailor. He had a huge cross tattooed on the back of his left upper arm and the same kind of cross hanging from his neck. I said, what does that cross mean to you? And he said, uh, my grandfather had a cross just like this. And I wear it in, in memorandum of him. I got the impression that he wasn't saved. But his grandfather left such a strong impression on him that he had a cross tattooed on him and a cross around his neck. And his mother was that way too. And he said, all the tattoos on this arm are going to be in honor of my grandfather and my mother. The other one had less spiritual <laughs> tattoos on it. But I told him, I said... Jesus died for us, and we have to receive him. And I, I don't really think he understood that. I'm not sure what the cross meant to his grandfather. But it meant enough for him to tattoo it on his arm and wear it around his neck. So there was some kind of a legacy left there. The Apostle Paul said, I press on to take hold of that which Jesus Christ took hold of me. He saved us all to be made into the image of his dear son, Jesus Christ. But he has a job for us to do. And 
He has some bucket list item or items for us to fulfill before we die. Augustine said, man is immortal until his work is done. Nobody's going to take your life until God is finished with you. So how are you making your life count for the Lord? Do you wonder if you are, what you are doing makes any difference? I wonder that sometimes. Especially when people don't follow what I want them to follow. But what we have to remember is that we're doing what we can and allowing the Lord to use what we're doing. Vernon Grounds wrote this short article. Sometimes we may get discouraged because what we're doing for the Lord seems unsuccessful. The children in the Sunday school class we teach are restless and inattentive. Been there, done that. Thank you for being much more attentive than they were. The neighbors we're trying to reach with the gospel are politely indifferent. The members of our own family are far from the Lord. The world, the world we lift up to God in fervent intercession grows increasingly violent and anti-Christian. All of this can add up to deep soul discouragement. Listen to the words of a Salvadorian clergyman, Salvadoran clergyman who was murdered for his fearless denunciation of violence and injustice. He wrote, We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that, end quote. This attitude helps us to do small things that leave, back quoting him, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. Might throw in there while I'm thinking about it. I like to share every single thought that pops into my head, you know. And Linda tells me I shouldn't, but what does she know? You know, <laughs> so what's popping into my head is when you witness to somebody and they reject your witness or they're politely indifferent, don't close the door. Somebody else will come later. The Lord is the one orchestrating all this. You have a part to play. Play your part and leave the door open. Vernon Grounds continues, That agrees with the Apostle Paul's encouragement to be faithful in our task and to wait on God who gives the increase. Don't allow discouragement to cause you to quit. In God's own time, our work will bear fruit. You are successful and you are a success in God's kingdom if you are faithful where he has placed you. So the legacy we have in the eyes of men is a very fragile thing. You can go from hero to zero in very short order. In no time at all we can be forgotten. I think of family members and friends who are deceased, who've been deceased for a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, bodies in the grave, to some extent forgotten. But the legacy we have in the eyes of God is a very different matter. He sees things as they really are. And our service for Christ does not fade with time. 
in the eyes of our eternal God. There is no time with our eternal God. Everything is present with God. I, I know you don't understand that. I don't understand that. I can't comprehend that. God is transcendent. If we could understand everything about him, he wouldn't be God anymore, or else we'd be God too, which is impossible. But everything is now with God. Jesus is dying on the cross right now with God because he's not restricted to time like we are. History is his story as we see it. It's unfolding, but there's no time with God. He's eternal. Everything is the eternal now with God. So choose your bucket list item or items carefully. What you're going to do with the rest of your life. What you want to do before you die. Follow the pattern that Simeon gave us. Seek divine direction. Seek the Holy Spirit's leadership. Seek to do something that is eternally significant. And seek something that will produce a lasting legacy in the eyes of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bucket list item of Simeon and the one of Israel, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. We thank you for giving these examples in Scripture of people who vowed to accomplish a certain thing before they died, which was directed by you, led by you, and inspired by you, and used by you to accomplish your purposes. We pray that you'll help us to be people of purpose, people who have a willingness to understand your leadership and follow it, to accomplish the work you've given us to do, and to remember that we might not see the end of what we're doing, but we can pass the baton on to someone else who will see the end. Help us to plant, to water, and remember that only you can give the increase. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.